combination of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bar Frumpy Plug. The rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. My name is Gabriel, and to talk about a nerve shredding, exhilarating, but ultimately heartbreaking Sunday of rugby, I am delighted to be joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, have you got over what was a crazy weekend of rugby? Oh, just about, mate. Yeah, I think I, I put out a tweet. Not much in the way of of fingernails left but um yeah it's good fun being back in the mixer of european rugby isn't it yeah it's weird like we haven't had a time when we've been working out permutations in a while yeah um trying to find ladders trying to work out plans for potential away trips home trips um yeah it was really fun actually i think that that's a good good place to start being in the mix playing against the top side having a go at a top side Mm. and then working out where we're going to go and ultimately potentially fancying ourselves in that round of 16 game. Yeah, what a crazy Sunday, Bath playing, and then kind of watching Bayon Exeter, where we were determined we determine where we were going to be playing um, our last 16 game. Yeah, well, and kind of having to respond to frantic messages from you who are otherwise engaged for the Bayon, uh, <laughs> Bayon game. I think I found myself a bit of a second club there. I was rooting for them so hard, mm. and it was... Uh, an emotional couple of hours, as will yeah, as I'm as, as I'm sure we'll come on to. Will mm. Exeter score that that last try? Will they get the bonus point? And will we be on our way to to Cape Town or to Sandy Park? It felt like quite a lot was was hinging on it. And yeah, I mean, it was a it was a serious rollercoaster of emotions, wasn't it? Because on the one hand, you know, it's fantastic that we're in a position. Almost, it, you know, it kind of almost feels overnight in a position where we can compete with the top teams of Europe and, you know, favourites for the tournament to lose. Haven't lost at home for nearly two years in all competitions. Some of the best players in the world, probably the best player in the world in Antoine Dupont at, at nine. And we're right up there and we're holding them level and we are fighting for the win, legitimately for mm. the win. And then it just slips away from us. So the one, on the one hand, you're feeling a lot of pride, I think, for the effort and the way we responded to some tough moments in that game. But then ultimately missed out. Quinn's push ahead of us, having hammered Ulster. And you're left feeling, you know, that sense of pride, but also mm. slightly empty at the result, ultimately. It was such a weird set of emotions at the end of that game because we, we went into the game, as I'm sure all Bath fans will know, just needing a point to get a home last 16 game after Quinn's got the full five points on the Saturday and, and with 10 minutes to go 15, 13 minutes to go we could get five points at Toulouse and top the bloody ladder mm. and then 10 minutes 15 minutes later we ain't got anything and we're going away and yet 
the performance was one of the best performances for 70 minutes that we've, well, and maybe the first five and the last 10 that we've had in, you know, maybe years. It was a brilliant performance. We went toe-to-toe with Toulouse, a full beans Toulouse side. Yeah. Let's have yeah. it right. That yeah. was a full beans Toulouse side who wanted to top that group um, or top the, the kind of whole ladder as they did end up doing. But we just went from from almost having it all to ultimately getting nothing from the game. And, yeah, the, the way that we that we just didn't take any of our chances in the, in the second half just just left me feeling frustrated, disappointed, but but yeah, ultimately proud of, of the performance and, and the turnaround that, that we've done, which, which we've kind of touched on over the last few weeks on, on this podcast. The turnaround that we showed beating Racing last week and then and then going with Toulouse. But yeah, to get to get nothing was was really, really disappointing. Well I'll just to say just maybe just to touch on why it's so important as well, getting that home draw. You know, last year in the Champions Cup all eight of the last 16 games were won by the side at home. And, you know, we know that we, we're turning the, the wreck into a, you know, a bit of a fortress in our record there, as I said on last week's podcast, has been really, really good. And then, again, it's just where it then puts you in terms of the, the games that come subsequently. So if we get the point there and move up into second above Quinns in our group, we, there, we then have Glasgow at home in the quarterfinal. And then if we win that, we have the winners of, sorry, in the last 16, if we win that, we have the winners of Bordeaux and Saracens. It would be Bordeaux um, away, I believe, Mm -hmm. or Saracens at home. As it is, yes, we are going to Exeter rather than to Cape Town, given the result in Bayonne and the fact that Exeter were unable to get that one try um, or that that one bonus point Mm -hmm. to to push ahead of um, the Stormers. However... We then, being um, uh, ninth seed, will then come up against the winner of Toulouse being the first seed and Racing being the 16th seed. So then that path to the, to you know, to the latter stage of the competition. And it's incredible that we're talking about that, but this path to the latter stage of the competition becomes very difficult because ultimately we'll be going to the Ernestad while on again, most mm. likely. Yeah, and I think this is maybe not what we think about in the immediate aftermath of the game, but if you think financially about what that means for Bath, like I don't know the exact figures for Bath, but but you could say a, a, a lowball figure, 300 grand for a home game. If we were, were to end up with two home games, you're looking at, you know, lowball probably around 600 grand. And, and that kind of automatically almost mitigates the fact that we've lost two, now three home games in the Premiership. You know, those games that, that we lost and have caused so many problems financially for the club, that would be straight back into the coffers. Mm. Um, and yeah. 300 grand revenue, 300 grand profit? Probably, pro- well, yeah. We don't want to go too deep into that. No, I, I've got no idea what they're, they how they run it, but from other experience, that that's yeah. potentially what they'd be it's looking at. significant. So, yeah, and they're supplementing it with those two extra exhibition games, aren't they? Exactly. Anyway, we're getting in, in, but, into the weeds. But here. It's just, it was massive, like yeah. just just so, like so much was riding on that on that second half, and, uh, and also and, just the vibe as well to have a last sixteen game potentially at the wreck to be pushing into the knockout stages yeah. of the top flight of Europe, just for the whole 
atmosphere and excitement around the club, which was already built quite a lot, I think mm. it would have been would have been huge. And to have three three of the tries, three tries scored in the first half, and, yeah. and for the game to be going the way that it was, like I think they said on on commentary as they as they ran out for the second half that they fancied you know plenty more tries and you know a bit of a shootout happening. And to be honest with you, that's all we really needed. Um, and it just didn't work out like that. And it went through that whole period in the second half up until the um, the winger, the Toulouse winger scored and, and they scored two tries quickly, where it was just a bit of sort of, the, the, not stalemate, but the game was kind of right in the balance. And, and yeah, that was such a different game to the first half game, which was just back and forth, three tries apiece um, and some great rugby. So it was just such a roller coaster of emotions going into the game, not really expecting anything. At halftime, thinking we may win, but we're almost certainly going to get this bonus point that we need. Um, that feeling kind of even more so with 10 minutes to go and then for it all to be taken away. And then back up again when we realised that that we were going to Exeter, which, let's be honest, from, from both a, a financial point of view for us and also a, a likelihood of winning for the team, uh, a much more favourable draw than, than Cape Town. Yeah, and it's that weird kind of perverse dynamic, isn't it, with with rugby, if Toulouse put 35 points on us there and secured the bonus point in the first 20 minutes, yeah. you've almost got a better chance of getting the four tries <laughs> because they switch off and, you know, um, they, they kind of save themselves for another day. But as it was 19 all going into, well, until 67 minutes and it was a real deadlock in the second half, they are defending like their lives depend on it. So mm. it almost makes it tougher, which is a, mm. a, a, a strange dynamic. And I will say... That you know, you mentioned the period at the start. The, you know, those the the, the the very quick start for Toulouse, which maybe you touch on the the early tries mm. in the second G, and then that last bit as well, where they pushed ahead of the seven points required for us to get a losing bonus point. Two tries sparked by the vision and skill of Antoine Dupont. A quick penalty and kick on to Thomas Ramos, and then a little chip, um, a lovely little kind of you know disguise kick over the ruck kind of box kick over the ruck for the for the second drive. I think that was Ramos as well, wasn't mm. it? So those two linking up yeah. very well. And you know, DuPont almost didn't play this game, obviously moving on to the sevens. You do feel like it could have been a different game and we might have salvaged that one point at least if DuPont wasn't playing. Um he is <laughs> he is he is just on another level at times. Yeah, we're lucky enough to watch pretty good scrum half play, I feel like, week in, week out with yeah. With our boy Ben Spencer, <laughs> future England scrum off Ben Spencer, but yeah, the last two weeks with Legarok and then yeah, in particular Dupont on on Sunday is is almost on another le- well, no, to be honest, it is on another level, yeah. and they are just yeah, those two in particular, and when they've got Entomac playing at, at ten and Ramos is at fifteen, they're all just so. They seem like, and they have played a hell of a lot of rugby together, and they just know exactly what the other one is thinking. And you can just see that, yeah, that last try, the the Ramos try, the the kind of knife in the back for Bath. I don't even know if that's called. It just both at like that identify the space that's there, and he the Pont's weight of kick there is just perfect, and Ramos is on it and and scores. And yeah. for that for that first try. Sorry, the second try. Obviously, Maapu the lot crashed over for the first try. For the second try, they're inside their own half. Ten minutes into the game, Dupont quicks tap, and the person that reacts quickest is unfortunately not 
Flocken a Seagull or Gallagher to, or Spencer tracking back, it's Ramos and he's immediately there for, for the kick on through. They are just... Yeah, they're telepathic. They're a quality between, side. Between those two. They really are. Another guy, um, an English guy, but in the, in the mm. Toulouse... Colours are nice to see to lose in red and us yeah. in our in our blue, black and white gene, as you mentioned to me before the podcast, remain unbeaten in red yeah, since 1865. Um, <laughs> another guy who was influential and particularly in those first two tries and affecting turnovers and mm. to be honest throughout the game was Jack Willis. Yeah, two turnovers in the lead up to the Mayafu try who's... I said to you as well, a player that I absolutely love at 145 kilos. If, if the French laws were different, I'd certainly be after him if we were, um, if I was with Johan Grant. And then, yeah, the DuPont you know, penalty came from Willis turnover. Mm. They definitely had our number at, at the breakdown there. What, I think there was six in our first half. What do you put it down to, Tom? Is it just quality back row play from Willis? Is it a lack of clearing out from Bath? Like, you know, it was such a story of that game that every time that we gained a little bit, Willis was, was over the ball. Why why was he able to be so effective? I think there were a few instances where we would partially break the tackle. I yeah. remember one from Max off the kickoff where he kind of, you know, stepped, partially broke the line and it just meant that there was that extra second before the clear out, um, the, guy, the guys clearing out were able to to come and make the hit and when a guy like Willis kind of gets over the ball, it's, it's, it's game over. Um, I also think when you're playing against a side as physical as that and when you've got, you know, you're giving away probably, I don't know, high single digits, maybe even more kilos per man, I think we could have been better at, uh, at resourcing the ruck to be better. We could have commit a couple more big clear-out guys to the ruck rather than the kind of one or two or three at times that we would normally do and then we have other guys kind of waiting and standing off ready to, you know, take the take the carry. So I think, yeah, I find it very, very, um, very good defensive jackling from Willis and Yalonk as well, who, who who had a couple of turnovers. But I think, and I think we, we did it better in the second half. I think it would definitely would have been something that was identified at halftime. I think we weren't quite accurate, physical and um, well, you know, n- well numbered enough to, to clear out the rucks. Mm. It almost felt like they were deliberate. I'm sure they weren't, but almost felt like they were deliberately letting us make half breaks. He plays differently to, to, to pretty much anyone else, Willis, in that he doesn't really get involved in the defensive line and, and he kind of hovers behind the, the defensive line. And as soon as there's a half break tackle, he's, excuse me, he's straight in on it. Yeah, it, it was an impressive performance from him. I, I do feel like. Yeah, I do feel like I think Andrew Brace had a superb game, but but it kind of every time he was over the ball, it was rewarded. And and I'm yeah, there was a couple where I thought maybe no clear release, but yeah, he he was he was excellent and just meant that we weren't weren't able to to he I mean he was key right in, in us not getting that that fourth try. Um, so yeah, we mentioned that the first, the early tries from Toulouse, Mafu and Ramos we did really well. I mean. Depends how you see it. If you would rather us have gone down 35-0 and then try to get the four from there. But I thought from the point of view of the game, we did fantastically to to fight back. Um, and I think surprised to lose. So reading a few comments from the, the huge number of blue, black and white supporters that, that were lucky enough to make it out to, to lose for the weekend. Uh, I think even the, the, the supporters were a little bit surprised at, at the way 
we fought back and Ben Urbano crashed over from a from a nice um more with they they um they split it off and, and he came round the, the, the corner and then Detroit scoring again on, on twenty three minutes to to level up the the game. Um Toulouse then got the penalty try, Yules uh gave that away and got the yellow card, but but Lawrence crashed over just before the break to, to complete the scoring in the first half and, and, and go into the sheds nineteen nineteen. Really impressive Tom how how we fought back and also really impressive how we didn't concede in that yeah. in that period with, with Charlie Yules, right? Obviously, we conceded the penalty try, which led to the yellow card, but but didn't concede throughout the whole ten minutes there. Which, yeah, I, you know, against Toulouse was was nicely impressive, and Lawrence's his try was was fantastic, and and he was awesome, particularly in the first half, but throughout. Yeah, we answered those Toulouse uh, Toulouse period you know, tries really mm. well. I thought. I mean, a blistering start with those two tries and the crowd are up, Ooh. you really need a physical response. And we went back to what has worked really well for us for most of this season uh, domestically, and that's the driving mall. Set it up really nicely. Beno Urbano picked his, you know, t- timed it well and um, streaked into the corner and almost made a made a dart for it under the post. Nice to see him go under the yeah, post. Yeah, I've got, got the conversion. I was slightly concerned when he was, I, I thought he was going to try and barrel over the defender, but he, 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 hit, he hit the deck. Um, and yeah, 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 got the conversion as you say. And then yeah, Thomas the Toy is. You get bored of saying it now. I think he scored eight or nine this season in all competitions. He can't quite believe, according to Johan, how how many how prolific his his strike rate has been. But yeah, he is just once again that guy that when it is very very tight and when it's a battle of inches, his extra bit of power. And obviously, he spends a lot of time in that kind of position that low position where you have to push forward and almost like a scrummaging um yeah a, a scrummaging kind of style carry and he's just so good from there mm. and yeah given on field replays a little bit I'm not sure he's not conclusive well no but I mean don't care yeah don't care I mean he, the momentum was kind of with him he kind of had two bites didn't he you know with his momentum but yeah don't care 12 out of 12 and then yeah Charlie Yules you you felt like yeah, obviously he wants to have an impact on that more, but I felt at the time like you're going to win penalty try there and you're going to get a yellow card. Just almost just accept the try there mm. and just let them score because you know it, it's um, it could have been nasty losing you know one of the mm. locks against Toulouse when you're already giving away a physical advantage and a weight advantage and that try as well I had noted down that was the one that that came from the. The, the turnover off the kickoff, which which Mac, Max took and Jack Willis was over that again. So um, yeah, yeah straight breakdown costing us. Um, but then yeah, Oli Lawrence, just a phenomenal line off that off that line out. I've noticed they're using they're being a little bit more creative with their lineouts, which I'm liking. They came off the top there again, um, and it was yeah, he just looks so hard to stop from there. And at the death, they did that one where they went all the way over the, to, yeah, to the top. Yeah, to him, to, to him again, him again. Yeah, just, just before we had that obstruction. Yeah. Just on, on Ollie Lawrence then. Yeah. So obviously, you know, being picked as one of, well, being, you know, it seems like they picked a lot of 13s in England squad as we'll come on to, but his first game in the 12 shirt for Bath this season, what did you make, and Max playing outside him, what did you make of him at 12? And yeah, was he really playing 12? I don't, well, I don't really get that because I feel like when they played together 
this season, Max has been wearing 12 and Ollie's been wearing 13, right? But they've mixed it up. And again, today on Sunday, excuse me, they seem to mix it up again. And, and it was pretty, pretty fluid, um, you know, and then, and then Cameron comes on with, with 20 minutes to go and, and he moves to 12. So I, I don't know if he was actually playing 12. Um, and, and to be honest, if, if we want to talk England, I think he's obviously got to be involved. Um, and I think they'll probably, they, well, they should probably pick Slade there. And I think, again, when those if those two were to play together in the centre, they can be pretty sort of fluid in, in, in the positions. Um, I think Lawrence can, can play both 12 and 13. And I think Slade can probably play 12 and 13. So, yeah, they may have to sure it up as to who lines up where defensively. Yeah, but I think, I think in attack, it I think, doesn't really matter. I think that's the difference, yeah. Like, obviously, both Max and Cam will play more of a distributor role either a first receiver or a yeah. second receiver and Lawrence again was lining up 13 in attack in defence I did notice though that he was he was lining up next to um, next to Russell so I think that was possibly what the difference was I don't know whether that was a phone call between JVG and, and Steve Borthwick which which kind of which made that happen but as you say I expect them to play or him to play 12 for England but it to be a similar setup with, with yeah. Slade playing uh, outside him on, on you know you know but but probably also um coming into to first receiver as well but i thought he had a magnificent game as mm. you say not only with those big carries and stepping up physically but mm. defensively he made some good shots you know mm. peter Aki's a, a big old carrier as did finn russell again a couple of you know i thought he acquitted himself really well defensively yeah again but yeah ollie lawrence and a couple of counter arcs a jackal that i remember as well he was he was on. He was on really good form. Mm, certainly was. Move into the, the the second half, Tom, and and as we said, no points for the for the first twenty seven minutes of the second half, and and it wasn't without chances for Bath. So I think it was Abano yeah. who was held up, and and we also had the Pluter penalty given away after he kind of tripped and fell on on one of the Toulouse players, and it was given a penalty, and yeah, it just you know. It really just felt like we were going to get a try. And then you looked up and you thought, oh no, we may not get a try. Um, and then obviously Toulouse kind of went bang, bang and and, and scored. Both their tries put it to a, to 10 points, or sorry, to um, 12 points, um, which meant we couldn't even go for the penalty at the end to, to, to get within seven. Um what was your your thoughts on on that second half performance? Like you know, was the, I guess did we get it tactically right? Did we the, the key the, the thinking was always four tries. I think that was always going to be our best bet of getting a point away at Toulouse. But do you think in that second half there was an argument that we maybe could on a few couple of occasions gone for points and try to get ahead and at least then maybe be within range of seven at the death and, and actually maybe try and win the game um, in a more traditional sense as opposed to just having this this kind of four tries in, in our mind. I don't know. I mean, I can only remember one or two opportunities during yeah. the second half where we, where we could have gone for them. And I, I don't think any of them were, you know, stone dead, you know, in, like 12, on the 22 in front of the the post. I think it was prior to the Lawrence trial where we could have gone for points and then Matt Gallagher stuck it within five. Yeah, there was definitely two in the second half. Yeah, I, I didn't mind that ploy, to be honest. I felt like the bonus point was the main thing to focus on, given how important we know home last 16 
is or has, has, has proven to be. So I didn't mind that. I felt like we would find a way to get that try. As you said, we came agonisingly close on, 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 on a few occasions. I also think, and you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a boxing fan, and I, I felt like we needed to, we needed to make that period pay a little bit. You know, Toulouse was soaking up so much pressure. They were defending their line very, very well, and obviously there were those couple of moments where we couldn't find a way. I felt like, in the, in the kind of in boxing terms, they were soaking up a lot of pressure in kind of the mid late rounds. But when it got to the championship rounds in that last ten minutes you felt like they would engineer mm. or find a way to get a try. So I I didn't mind going for that fourth try. Um, in hindsight, if we'd have kicked a couple of penalties and gone 25-19 you know, up, then, yeah, I guess we would have ended up with that with that bonus point as, as things turned out. But I didn't mind going for that fourth mm. try and guaranteeing the home, the, home, uh, the home last 16 first and foremost. So... To keep up with your boxing analogy, did they almost rope a dope us a little bit in that second half? Did we did we run out of steam? Why were they able to pull away so quickly? Possibly, yeah. We we punched ourselves out. Mm. Um, I don't know. I although we had our chances, and I know that you you know you mentioned the health disappointed we were the fact that we missed some of those. I'd say on the flip side, Toulouse also had their chances, mm. and the the defensive effort and commitment, I thought points during that deadlock uh, 27 minutes after half time where the no points were were, were scored I thought was absolutely magnificent um, yeah uh, you know guys putting absolute shifts in Will, uh, uh, Josh Bayliss and Miles Reed, 31 tackles between them not one missed is is outstanding and one bit that I think epitomised the attitude of you know, and, and the will to win, and the will to kind of you know try and get that point at all costs was the Will Muir collision with Dalib when the ball got kind of kicked through. I think it was by by Ramos, and he hurtled across from the centre of the pitch, and he had no regard for his safety there mm. at all. He was just going for that ball and trying to stop Dalib getting on the end of that and potentially streaking down the left wing, and it looked like a nasty collision that. That the horse picked up, but he was he, he was he was back up on his feet. I thought that was very brave and 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 yeah, kind of epitomised the effort that we put in against you know French giants. Mm. It was great. Uh, they did defend so so well in that second half. Ninety one, like. yeah, ninety one percent tackle they, success. Only missed thirteen tackles. And I, you know, just anecdotally remembering that there was a period of play where they they just breached into our twenty two. And then we managed to kind of marshal them all the way back inside their own half and ultimately they, they kicked that away. Yeah, we went toe-to-toe with them for, for 60, 70 minutes and that was so great. And that's what just made the last 10 minutes so so heartbreaking because I just felt like we deserved definitely something from that game. I think we ran out of steam and I, I think the subs told... Yeah. Um, we yep. took Spencer off on 60 minutes. That was, in my mind, 100% a pre-planned move. Um, a bizarre pre-planned move, but anyway. And I think that was really, really important in the game. Um, you know, I think we lost um, Muir as well to, to injury. And, and, and uh, sorry, uh, Bailey had to come on and reshuffled our back line. And I'm just not sure we quite got the impact from our bench that, that Toulouse did. 
Um, and I think that and just their clinicality at the end was 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 the difference. A couple of missed lineouts from from Fiverr as well when 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 he came on. I think it was one straight and one overthrown, which maybe we recouped, but it was 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 a little bit messy. But even at the end of that game, we you know we had a chance. Finn Russell with an outrageous fifty twenty two, and you felt like mm. had he created a bit of territory for us to to you know maybe, maybe to get over it uh, at the end. Then obviously the game won from a Toulouse point of view. So you're thinking, can we get that fourth try? And then yeah, come on, boy, Stuky just getting uh, you know a bit muddled in front of Miles Reed and getting done for obstruction. And uh, unfortunately, that was all she wrote. But yeah, I think overwhelming sense of pride still for me and overwhelming sense of jealousy for those that did make the trip out yeah. because it was a hell of a lot more competitive than when we went out back in, when would that have been, 20, 2018 was it, when we went out, 2019? Um, yeah. The season of the the, the, the away fixture of uh, the Freddie Burns Bowl in uh, at the Rec. I think, yeah, in that, 2018. That yeah, I think, it was, I think it was 18. So, um yeah, the year of our last Heineken Cup win, the Champions Cup win prior to this season. So ultimately, I think despite that and despite what is to come and how the land lies as far as the draw goes, I think you know we can reflect on the pool stage of this campaign with with a lot of pride. Definitely, three wins from four, it, three bonus point wins from four is a, is a great effort. It's just, it's just um, it, well not unfair, but it just felt well, it felt tough that, that we ended up away. But we're away to Exeter. And that is imminently winnable. Yep. Um, weekend of the 5th, 6th, 7th of April. Um, yeah, plans already in motion. I know, Tom, you, you won't be able to make it, but plans already in motion for a trip down there for sure. So um, I'm sure there'll be many blue, black and white fans making the, the trip down to the service station on the M5. Um, and we'll definitely see you there when that one rolls around. I mean, I think just a, a general point on... The Champions Cup in uh, in the format, and maybe it's just because we were so, you know, pivotally involved, and and it, it was so fun to be involved. And I think there's been a lot of negative criticism about the fact that I think the Quinn's Glasgow game is going to be the only game where the teams won't have already played each other this season, whether that be in Europe or in the domestic leagues. I think there's five out of the eight games are repeats of the pool stage. And, and that's really unfortunate um, because I think in general, the the structure worked pretty well. And I think for me, the, the, the key point in that is just the fact that all of the games on the final weekend had something riding on them up until right at the end, Bayon, Exeter, last play, if Exeter score there, that has ramifications for, for mm. everybody. Um and I just think, yeah, okay, it's frustrating maybe that all of the four of the six teams go through and we've got a lot of repeats. But I thought that the drama of that that final weekend was was fantastic. Um and I really enjoyed being a part of it. So 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 I think a good format maybe needs tweaking. Um, but I think in, in general it was a great weekend of rugby, um, with, with plenty of, of good games and, and, and kind of um, drama right to the death. Yeah, this is the best competition, isn't it? In 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 club rugby, I think just the the fact that you do get these rivalries, you get all these different styles of play from different from different countries and different leagues coming together. It's um it's brilliant, and you know 
in, in what other situation am I going to be such an ardent Bayon fan? You know, <laughs> Exeter came out, Exeter had a shocking uh, first half, scored the one try, and then came out, scored bam bang, two tries for Tuima on 40 minutes and 43 minutes. Bayon looked shot, and I thought, oh, geez, here we go, off to Cape Town we go. Started, started having a little look at flights for, 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 for Cape Town, and yeah, then just managed to hold them out. So Exeter looked that disconnected it kind of looked like in a way that they kind of had, had accepted they'd rather face us than than, <laughs> than than have La Rochelle come over to Sandy Park which I I don't think was the case but yeah a lot, lot, lot of fun as, as a weekend mm. just seeing that it may not be in Cape Town but anyway we need to we should have worked that out before um coming coming on air uh, but yeah two Sandy Park, we go. Don't have to worry about that. Um, and as I say, plans in motion to, to make that trip, as I'm sure many yeah. of you will. I just want to call out one last guy, actually. He's in my notes. I was trying to put a bow on it there. But I think having Josh Bayliss back was was great. I thought he was outstanding. Um, in, a, in, in a game where Toulouse are trying to play quickly, trying to play fast, I, I thought having his skill set of, of work rate um, in that back row was was really great. So yeah, more competition for places oh, in that back row, which is ridiculous. Um, we'll see Tom who they pick as we go to our next and final fixture before the uh, break for the Six Nations. It is of course the Derby Day at Ashton Gate at Bristol, a three o five kickoff on Saturday. Um, Bristol eighth in the league, uh, beat Sale away last time out in, in what was undoubtedly their best performance of the season. Um, we went to the the home game. I'm going down to, to Bristol for this game, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. How do you kind of see Bristol and um, kind of how do you see this one playing out? Well, I was looking back at the form book for this and you know we've never won a game at Ashton Gate, which is definitely an itch that I would like to well and truly scratch. Thinking back to the agony of the Tom Homer drop over the line in that, that first season when they came up from uh, from from the championship. So Yes, Francis missed drop goal. Yeah. Van Grand's first game. Absolutely, yeah. We t- we've tended to get them on Fridays, haven't we, at the, 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 the start of the season. Um, which which yeah, which 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 hasn't suited us. We were at the reverse fixture at, at the rep. We won by one point, but we gave away a couple of soft tries, including a, uh, an intercept for, for Max Malins, which allowed them back into the game after we dominated the, the first 40. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is, again, from a selection point of view, one that we can put our best foot forward. We've obviously got a good contingent of players going to the Six Nations, as Mabel will mm. have a chat about in a second. But I think... These are the games against the perceived weaker teams in the league, the Gloucester, the Newcastle um, uh, and Bristol in particular, who are, who are kind of slightly fallen off the pack. But these are the games where you need to be getting points in such a competitive league. So, um, yeah, I, I, I um, got to fancy our chances, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I just, my, my fear for this one is, you know, Bristol fortunate enough for them were, were able to take off most of their big stars on 60 minutes because because they were already out and, and were losing pretty heavily to Connor. And I just feel like the last two weeks, 
from a bar point of view have, have kind of been just like a massive, well, not crescendo, but kind of, a, you know, two massive games. Um, and I just worry that it might be a little bit of a come down for us. Um, and, and, and kind of on the flip side for Bristol, I, I know they've, for, for the first time in a while, managed to sell a few tickets for this one. Huh. And it's a big game for their kind of top four hopes, right? They are just about clinging on to it. Um, and kind of, is it for them the fixture they've had circled for a while? And is it almost for Bath a little bit of an afterthought and just, a, you know, one last hurdle before we all kind of have a little bit of a break and either go to Six Nations or, or, or go on holiday? I just, yeah, I feel like the priorities may be, may be there. And yeah, that would be my, my main fear. I, I do think, you know, based on form, based on, on kind of quality of the two sides over the course of this season, we should be favourites and, and, and we probably should win. But yeah, I just worry about a kind of come down from us and uh, and Bristol taking this one. I, I think it's going to be a real close one. Yeah, I mean, there's guys to come back, right? I think Tom Dunn didn't travel to, to, to lose. He'll mm. be available to come back into the 15. I'm sure we'll bring some... Some some real energy to proceedings. Will Stewart can come back into the front row, having had, had, had twenty minutes on. You've got Stuky who could who could who could rotate in and start. Josh McNally, so it's a solid enough second row pairing. And then you know is Sam Underhill back and available and ready mm. to go for for this game? Can he come back in? Yaku Kutsir as well, uh, at number eight, who wasn't involved in the in in the twenty three as well. And then yeah, a guy like Cam Redpath only played fifteen minutes. At the weekend, yeah. and Tom DeGlamour wasn't in the 23. So I think we can rotate rotate the 23 up enough to still make it pretty much full strength, but also to, to, to maybe give guys that have had a lot of game time. So thinking like of guys like Thomas the Toit, Charlie Ewells, Miles Reed, um, you know, uh, possibly you know, one of the wingers, I guess you could rotate out and push Gallagher to the wing. Guys that have had a lot of time off. I think maybe you could you could rotate selectively, um, but I think knowing that it's an important game and it will have been circled as one that, that I think that we will go go fully out and try and get five points. I think with the break that that we'll know we'll have, I think we'll we'll remain pretty focused. Mm. The Spencer Van Grand combination is not one to um, to take weeks off and well, yeah, apart from if it's just after Christmas. Yeah, but I think that would be that you know. I, well, don't, I don't think this will be a rest and rotate game. I'll be very surprised if it is prior to this break. Mm. Yeah, and we have got obviously players in that in those international yes. squads. Is there is there any chat from from Borthwick at, at this stage? Like, why do we take Spencer off in sixty minutes? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. I mean, there's 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 no reason that that it would be as that he's not on one of the central contracts. So, um, you know, I, I don't see I don't, I don't see that as. As a region, should we talk? Do you fancy a comfortable just finish Bristol off? You fancy a comfortable win on Saturday at Ashton Gate? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you'd have to think so based on you'd have to think so based on the form book. But I mean, that's been ripped up a number of times at Ashton Gate. I will God. be, I will be gutted oh, if God. if we lose that game. But I think we will have just a bit too much mm. class and hopefully a bit too much firepower. Mm. But I've been wrong before on that one. Mm. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I, I really don't fancy another another trip to Ashton Gate coming away with a loss. It's yeah, it's a you know the league is so so tight as we turn back to the Premiership. We need to be winning these games. Yeah. So 
a big one before we have a little bit of time off for the Six Nations, where there will be many Bath players featuring. Um, let's kind of tackle the, the England squad first and foremost. Mm. Um, any surprise inclusions or omissions from a Bath point of view? Well, not, the first thing I want to talk about is Ben Spencer. Yeah. Not having played since the World Cup final in, in 2019, having four caps total um, and playing as well as he has done, potentially, I would say, albeit maybe biased, being the form nine in the league over the, over the previous seasons, or at least, at least has certainly justified selection over some others that have been included. You think of Ben Youngs with 120-odd caps and Ben Spencer with four. So, Although he is a huge loss for Bath, you know, albeit there's not much crossover of fixtures at all, I'm just really pleased for him. He's clearly got strong England ambitions, and yeah, he he well and truly deserves yeah. his call up. And I I hope that he is given the opportunity. Um, it looks like Mitchell incumbent will be the starter, but I hope he's at least given some proper game time. Um, mm. in an England shirt because I think others will then start to see how good he is and how good he will fit into yeah. the Steve Borthwick mould of playing. Yeah, he's perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's yeah, crazy that he hasn't been recognised before. I'm, I am yeah, absolutely buzzing for him. Likewise buzzing for Abana, who, who rightly is back in playing some of his best stuff. And I think I saw an interview with, with Abano in the week that, that he kind of said that, yeah, he's happy to be called up, but he's, I think he's a little bit fed up and, and, and maybe the case for, for a few Bath lads of, of being called up, but not really getting a fair shake at a stick. So hopefully he yeah. it, it, it gets a look at, at, at some game time um, in that one shot. I, I think it's deserved. It's hard, it's hard though. There's, you know, two fairly, uh, fairly secure guys in there in, in Genji and, and Marla who are kind of, can't kind of top of their games really. Should we should we mention some mm. other guys included in England? Mm. Will Stewart, um, who you know ex- expect to, to to get a decent amount of, of game time, and hopefully he pushes on. Sam Underhill as well, mm-hmm. who based on the injury report is very close to action following his ankle injury, and I can see him going pretty much straight into the back row given the options available. Who am I missing? Do obviously Ollie Lawrence, who, who mm. we expect to start as well guys not included and I don't know I think obviously there's this weird dynamic where Borthwick is keen to get guys in where there's interest from other nations and I think our guys have potentially fallen foul of that a little bit Um, Faye Wabosu at Exeter who's had something like four league starts and Mm. looks a you know a prospect but a prospect um, in the the, you know in the same way as Arundel looks a prospect but there are class wingers around in the league and I think him and then Roebuck at Sale being eligible for Scottish selection has probably come at the cost of our two boys uh, Big Joe and, and Will Muir who for me are better players than those two and would have deserved inclusion. No one can tell me that Feo Bosso has played better than either Muir or Fokinesiga this season. He's Welsh qualified. He He's Welsh. Be. Yeah. He's born in Cardiff, but um, he's Welsh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we don't want to get out of that discussion, but yeah, that's exactly why he's been picked. Tough time for Welsh wingers, isn't it? If you're a Wales fan, yeah. <laughs> so that's what... I think it's tough time to, to be a Wales fan. Maybe we could segue. <laughs> yeah, jeez. And um, the other one I'd say in in a, maybe a similar vein of form, but a surprise I would say, 
Ethan Roots, also, also Welsh, qualified and selected in the squad. And also guys like Tom Pearson, um, Chandler Cunningham South, again, really nice looking prospect, but seems a prospect at this point in time, preferred to Alfie Barbary, who mm. has only got himself a three-week ban, so as you know, would would be eligible to down come to, in and, and pretty much play straight away, I believe. Down to two attackers. Yeah, down to two attackers. So he'll only miss Sunday and then Saturday against Bristol, so yeah. he would have been fully ready to go. And Borthwick said that his yeah. potential ban was a reason behind his lack of inclusion in the squad. You know, your boy Zach Mercer didn't make it, and then started saying some comments in the in in the press about that. That's ridiculous that he's not in the squad. But anyway, I'm not I'll get back to France. Not allowed to not allowed to, not allowed to talk about, about Zach, but yeah. And on Alfie though, a surprise? Well, I can't believe it. But yeah, I can't believe it. You know, I think Borthwick wishes he he probably had that verdict a little bit before, you know. I, I assume Earl's probably gonna play eight. But yeah, I think Barbary absolutely deserved an in- inclusion. Um and, and I, I'm 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 really pleased that he only got two weeks for for that. I, I, you know, I said my piece on, on on last week's podcast about what I thought about, particularly the second incident, and and I think you know common sense prevailed, and and two weeks was about right. So, yeah, you know, happy for that for Barbary, but I think he he definitely deserved to be in there, and I think that that's kind of a glaring non inclusion or exclusion from from a Bath point of view. I think. You know, we're potentially burying burying the the headline, or definitely the most surprising bit of news um, as we as we talk internationals, and and that is of course Archie Griffin, the uh, Bath prop, being called up to Wales. Um, yeah, I mean, huge congratulations to to Archie, um, but he's kind of yet to to break into the bar side. We've got a lot of decent props, right? So not easy, but. Yeah, to I don't think he's made a Premiership start yet. No, um, to be in that Wales squad potentially says more about the Wales squad or, or, or perhaps the the prospect they they think Griffin could become. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting picked up by Warren Gatland, I think it says yeah. that you've got a hell of a lot of potential, and he's an incredibly young guy. As you said, he's barely played at all for us. He hasn't started in, um, you know, a non. Premiership Rugby Cup game, so he's very raw, but this will only do him the world of good, I think, at least mm. being exposed to that environment. So, um, absolutely, yeah, absolutely all for it, and and yeah, con- congrats to to Archie. And then the last bit of news on the Scottish side. Mm. So, um, Josh Bayliss, Cam Redpath, and Finn Russell included, unsurprising. Well, unsurprising in the case of, of Cam and Finn, but, you know, nicely Josh Bayliss goes straight back in and I think he, he definitely deserves it. But Finn Russell, our captain, co-captain of Scotland, he is, um, yeah, mm. born leader, G. Incredible turnaround between him and um, Gregor Townsend, my word. Yeah, I mean, odd, but fine. Yeah, I, 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 I I'm, I'm not that surprised, to be honest. I think... Obviously, a different style of leadership to to others. Um, you know, <laughs> England's uh, previous captain being a, a very stark example, who actually has mm. just been announced will be going to Finn's former club in mm. in Racing. But um, again, having that experience, maybe having to build a little bit of maturity and possibly change the way that he approaches stuff like training and preparation, I think 
only a positive to, to Bath. Mm. So is that nine or ten in that region of players involved in the Six Nations? Yeah, I think it's nine. Yeah. yeah. Five for England. I think there's only Saints, Saris, and possibly Quinns mm. have more than us out of the whatever it is, 40, 40-man squad. So um, nice to see a, a, a good amount of involvement in, in the international window. Yeah, and then just finally, before we wrap up this little bit of a marathon podcast, but but a great weekend of rugby to, to talk about and, and, yeah, plenty of rugby to look ahead to. What will Bath be doing during the next few weeks, you, you may ask? So we play Bristol next weekend and then pretty much give ourselves the whole of February off. We have just recently announced two fixtures. So we'll play Gloucester on Saturday the 9th of March at the Rec. And then Leinster on Friday the 15th of March, which um, is St. Patrick's weekend. Um, so I'm sure that will be a good vibe in and around Bath for, for that weekend as, as we welcome Leinster. Obviously two games to, to, yeah, I guess, bolster the coffers, but also keep the boys ticking over um, before we then have sale in round 13 on the 24th of March. But yeah, it looks like they're going to get a decent chunk of time off, which it's been thoroughly well deserved. It's been a crazy start to the season, um, you know, with with games back to back since since the the end of the World Cup. So time off, get back, get fit, um, and kind of have a have a run at, at this this end of the season, which is is going to come round quickly. Um, and yeah, a, a great opportunity for Bath to to have a bit of a special season. Absolutely, and you know, we we get the win and. And stay top four to beat, beat Bristol, and I think we can reflect on an incredible, mm. you know, first half of the season. What we've Certainly. done in the Champions Cup is brilliant, and if we can have this time off, knowing that we've got potential playoffs on on the horizon, the Premiership, then I think, yeah, Bath fans are going to the Six Nations. Very, very happy indeed. It's been, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great. Certainly, and, and one boy that will be having a bit of time off is Tom Dunn. Um, and just before we wrap up, needless to say, this is the Bath Rugby Plug brought to you by Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers. You never know, we may use the time between um, between fixtures to, to kind of nail a few things down with Dunny. So please do watch this space. Check out their Instagram at Black and White Butchers. Give them a follow across all social media Subscribe to this podcast to hear all about the partnership Blue, Black and White and Bath Rugby Plug. Share with your friends and thank you for listening. Um, As we said, a a really entertaining Sunday of rugby and I'm sure you're all along the roller coaster ride with us. One more game left in this block of fixtures. If you are going down to um, the Ashton Gate, enjoy it. Fingers crossed for for a positive result, finally at Ashton Gate. But as always, stick behind the boys, too thick and thin.